Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Glad to be here this morning. I just want to also thank everybody. My wife and I have received so much encouragement over the past week. So many messages and texts and calls. It's been so appreciated. And so if we haven't got back to you yet, it's coming. But we're just so grateful for, for everybody. And, you know, through this process, I spent a lot of time thinking about what it is that we were stepping into. And I didn't fully have an understanding of all of it yet. But I know that God has a plan. And that is something that I want to speak about here this morning, that God has a plan. And as I was looking at this church and the history of Faith Assembly, as I was looking back at some of the history, I, I love history. I don't know if anyone else in here loves history like me. If there's a history documentary on on the TV, I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch and I want to know everything that was going on because I love looking at the past and seeing what happened and, and even how God intervened and, and what's coming in the future. But I, I love looking back. And so when I came in this week, uh, Terrence Mike has gave me a couple of books that I thought were awesome. They're these yearbooks. Does anyone in here have any of these? A few of you, Okay. So this was from the year 2000. This was the year that I graduated eighth grade. And this was when Pastor Jones was coming on. And so I can look through here and see quite a few of your pictures and and some faces that I recognize. And then this one was from 2005. And what I loved about it is that there's this group of pages, and we're going to put it on the screen, that says celebrating the past and embracing the future. And so I was looking at this because like I said, I was very curious. I wanted to know more, and it's not the first time that I've done this, but from the very beginning, Faith Assembly has marched forward through prayer and faith. From the very beginning, this is what our church was established on 87 years ago, on prayer and on faith. And as we go back and we look at some of the history of the the women and the men that came together to pray and to believe for what God was going to do in our area, in 1935, it's pretty incredible to think back to the fact that they were establishing something that we today have now had the opportunity to walk into. Is that amazing? And we go through and we see some of the history and we see this name, Reverend Ira Elliott, who is the father of Dave Elliott, one of our amazing members of our church. And we see the history that was put into place in 1956. And then We continue on and we see Pastor Damiani and his wife, Betty, who I knew her as Mrs. D, as my principal at FCA, an amazing woman with the vision to start that school, FCA, and all that it's become. See, it's pretty incredible to look back and to see that there were those who were willing to step into a place of faith for what God was going to do, even though there was a very real possibility and reality that they weren't going to see the full fulfillment of what God was going to do in this place. And it goes on to say at the end, because of our legacy of faith, we are now positioned to march forward through faith and prayer and embrace our destiny in the 21st century. An incredible history. But then there's this also this this part of it which Dave Elliott brought into the church, and it's a hymnal. And if you look at the stamp inside, it says Faith Pentecostal Mission, which is what our church was known as at that time, at 40 South Bridge Street, Poughkeepsie, New York. See, this would have been from 1940. 
1940, where there were believers and members of what would be Faith Assembly who would go through these pages to look through before we had projectors and lights and all of these things and to be able to worship God in the midst of a difficult time where our nation was in the midst of World War II at the time. And they would go through here and to be able to, to find these words and to find comfort and to look to God. See, God has a plan. And the fact that you and I get to step into this plan, the fact that we get to be a part of what God is doing is an incredible privilege and something that I am so grateful for and so excited for. And it's something that I really want us to, to keep in mind and to remember because even in the difficult times of life and the situations where things are not going the way that we expected them to, even when there are trials and, and circumstances of life and, and as we continue to say the things that go on around us and, and in our community and our culture, that in the midst of those times that God still has a plan and he is working with us to walk together into his purposes, into the things that he can see even when we can't. So often it's difficult to see what God's plan is in the midst of it but we can look back and we can see his hand on our lives. We can look back in the moments of our life when things were difficult and God brought an answer that was greater than we could have ever expected or simply just, it feels like he just got us through it to bring us to the next thing. You see, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, for I, for I, who's the I? It's God. For I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God knows the plans and the purpose that he has for each one of us. But we don't always stop to look at the fact that this was written from Jeremiah to a group of exiles in Babylon. They were not in a place where they were walking out the promises of God in that moment. They were in a place of captivity, looking forward with hopeful expectation of what God would do. And God was saying to them, yes, I know the plan that I have for you, even in the midst of what you're going through right now. Even in the midst of what you're dealing with, I am working and I am moving. You see, today is a special day because today is my son Caleb's fifth birthday. He sits right over there. And maybe at a later time, we'll talk about some of the journey that we went through for Caleb to be born. But it wasn't, it wasn't easy to get to that point. There were times of questioning and doubts and tears and pain. Yet there was this moment in time that I remember so vividly. Going with Jamie into the doctor's office and hearing the sonogram of his heartbeat for the first time. Very, very early on. Just hearing that sound. And knowing, God, you know this child. You know this child by name already. Before the world was formed, you knew Caleb by name. And even though I didn't at that time, even though I only had just a picture and I carry this around in my Bible, 
Though you can't see it from here, but you'll have to take my word for, for, for it. It's Caleb at 31 weeks and five days. And he has his hand in a certain position. And, and so often after he was born, he'd put his hand in that position. And, and this was just this small picture of what would become. And we didn't know Caleb's personality. We didn't know what he would sound like. And we still don't know what God is going to do in and through his life. But guess what? God does. And he has from the very beginning. At the moment of conception, God knew him by name. And to know that and to be able to partner together in walking through what God is doing in his life is such an honor and a privilege. You see, we don't know what God is always doing in the moment. But when we look back, it's a little bit easier. You know, things can be very difficult at times. There are moments where we feel like we have believed and we've asked for and we've sought, but we haven't got the answers that we are believing for. Where we're still in the moments of life, where we feel like there's uncertainty, that there are things that God has spoken that we haven't seen come to pass yet. But even in these moments, it's so important that we understand that God has a plan. But I'm just going to be very vulnerable and honest with you here today. I know that in the middle of the circumstance, that is not always the biggest comfort. It is a very big comfort. But there are times in the middle where we're still waiting for the outcome. We're still praying for that child. We're still believing for something to happen in a relationship or in a job or in a financial way. We're still asking for these things. And we know that God has a plan, but we're still in the midst of it. Can I encourage you today that no matter where you are and what you're believing for, that God is able to stand beside you, that he is able to handle our hurts and our pains, and yes, even our questions in the midst of those circumstances, that we can trust him, that we can trust that God has a plan and a purpose, and even in the difficult times, he's preparing us for what he's going to bring us into that we don't even know of yet. To have that trust and that faith in him. See, I better check my notes today or we're just going to keep going, right? Right here. We're just going to keep in, in, this, in this vein. We don't know God's timing and everything. But through all of this, I started to think about the lineage and the history that we're born into. As a church, yes, because we see this amazing history right here but also as individuals. Can you just stop for a moment and think about how many things, how many relationships, how many interactions, how many situations had to take place for you to be sitting here in this room today? Between the year AD 1 and the year 2022, there have been 70 generations. 70 generations, that's a lot of opportunity for a lot of decisions to be made and a lot of things to happen. And yet here we are today together this morning believing for the promises of God. My dad has shared a story with me, and I hope I get it right, but I believe it was your grandparents or great-grandparents that were in England waiting for the next ship to come because they were leaving England. And they said the next ship that comes, that's the one we're going to get on. But at the time, they thought they were going to Australia. Thankfully, the next ship that came was going to America. 
And how many of those things had to happen throughout history? Can I tell you this morning that God has a plan? That God knew from the very beginning that through the course of history and all the events that would take place, that he knew how to bring us to this place right now. And if he was able to do that, can we have the faith and trust to know that he is able to bring us so much beyond this point to fulfill his purposes? I want to look today at a story that God brought me to in the book of Genesis chapter 26. And it's part of the story of Isaac. We know Isaac is the son of Abraham. And Abraham, who God called out of his home in Genesis chapter 12, we can look at these verses, Genesis 12 verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's home to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God was taking Abraham from everything that he knew, from his home, from his father's house, from his kindred, and he was bringing him to a place that he did not know in order to establish something new in his life. In order to rewrite history, if you will, or to be able to change the course of what history would become, he was calling him out. And then there's this next verse that we know so well in Genesis chapter 15. It's verse 6. It says, And he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. See, later on in the book of Romans, Paul would pick up on this verse and speak to the fact that Abraham believed and that's what made him righteous. It wasn't the works of the law. It wasn't all these other things. It certainly wasn't Jesus at that point, yet he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed that God was going to do what he said he was going to do, to deliver on his promise, to give him a son even though he was well beyond the years of being able to have a son, and yet he believed what God said. I just want to say this here this morning for anybody who, who feels like you're still believing and hoping for a promise of God, yet maybe you've gotten more advanced in years. I'm not looking at anybody in particular here this morning. But God has made a promise to you. Can I tell you that an age is not able to stop God from delivering on the promises that he has made to each one of us. That we have the ability to stand firm on the promises of God, no matter what the circumstances of life look like, because God said, when I speak a word, I will bring it to pass. It will not return to me void. We need to know and to believe and to remind ourselves what God has said. So we look at the life of Abraham and we see that this is the lineage that Isaac is born into. He's born into a lineage with a father who walks in great faith, the father of faith. And so he actually was the delivery on that promise of faith. He was the son that God gave to Abraham in his old age. So the natural progression, of course, is that in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham takes the son that is the promise 
for him to have many generations. And he brings him up to the top of the mountain to sacrifice him. Perfect sense. You know, I don't know what kind of PTSD Isaac would have went through after this. Every time dad said, hey, let's go for a walk. He's like, wait a second, where are we going? Can somebody else come with us this time? But what he did see is even in the midst of all of that, he saw that his father walked in great faith. That there was nothing that his father wasn't willing to give to God because of his faith in him. I can't even imagine the kind of faith that it took for Abraham to go up to that, that place and to create that altar. But this is what Isaac saw. This is what Isaac learned from. This is, this is who he saw as an example for who he would become. So we see then we get to chapter 26, and you would expect with this great lineage and all of the great things and, and being the son of the promise that everything would go perfectly, right? But Genesis chapter 26 verse 1 starts off with these words. Now there was a famine in the land. And this is interesting. It says, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. See, this wasn't the first time there was a famine. This isn't the first time there was a challenge. And if we look at Genesis 12 and then Genesis chapter 26, we see that there is a, a mirroring that's taking place between these two generations. That there was a famine when Abraham was there, and God called Abraham to walk into a place of trust in him. And now he was calling Isaac to do the same thing, to go into a place of trust in him. This is not a newsflash to anybody here today, but sometimes things don't go the way we expect that they're going to go. And in those moments, are we going to look at them and complain, or are we going to understand that this is an opportunity to put our trust and our faith in God and to partner together with him in what he said? You see, for Isaac, this is what was happening. God was giving him an opportunity to step into the promise that he had made to Abraham before him, to step into a place of reliance on him. He was preparing and equipping him to be ready for what he was calling him to walk into. It was an opportunity for Isaac. And the mirroring, mirroring of their lives doesn't end here. You see, God was using the circumstances to bring him into a place of reliance. But then he would give him direction just as he gave to Abraham. For Abraham, he called him to go into Egypt. But to Isaac, he says, I want you to go and sojourn in this land, and I will be with you. He says in, in verse 2, Do not go down to Egypt, but dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Abraham went to Egypt because it was appropriate at that time. But for Isaac, he was doing something different. Because Isaac was the next step in the generation, and God was now calling him to go into what would be the land of promise. In the Word of God, Egypt is often looked at as the systems of this world, the strength of this world, the provision of this world. In a place of crisis, it would have been very easy for Isaac to do what his father had done, and to do the natural thing is to go where there seemed to be the provision. But God said, don't go to Egypt, sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all of these lands and I will establish the oath 
that I swore to Abraham, your father. God was reestablishing this truth in Isaac's heart. He was saying, this is what I'm going to bring you into. I spoke it to Abraham. I'm going to speak it to you. I'm going to multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all of these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Little did he know that that meant that the Savior of the world was going to be coming from this line to bless the nations, to bring the nations back to him. But verse 5 is very specific, and I think it's so important for us to see. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments and my statutes and my laws. Abraham set the tone. He set the tone for what was to come. What are we setting in place for the next generation? What are the things that our acts of obedience are preparing and establishing for what is to come next. See, Abraham was setting an amazing example. He reestablished that covenant. You see, when I look back to, to these yearbooks and I look back to this, I think about the men and women who, who started our church. Once again, they didn't know what was going to be in place in 2022. They knew they wouldn't live to see exactly what was going to take place going forward. And what God was saying was, if you step out in faith and you sow a seed, if you step out into what I'm calling you to do, I'm going to bless it and I'm going to multiply it. They didn't see the results of this, but we get to see it today. So we continue on here and we see that Isaac is going into this land and there's another kind of mirroring that we see again to Genesis chapter 12. So let's just go to Genesis chapter 12, verses 11 through 13. It says, when he, Abraham, was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a beautiful woman, a beautiful woman in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So there's some good news. But say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. You see, this worked out fairly well for Abraham in the end. I can't imagine what it was like when Sarah was being brought into the Pharaoh's place to become his wife, and then Pharaoh's having to go through all these plagues because he has another man's wife in there. But the crazy thing is, is that in chapter 26, we see Isaac going into the same situation, saying the same thing, because my wife is beautiful, say that you're my sister, and almost the same exact thing is, plan is playing out. Now, I want to know, did Abraham sit down with his son one day and say, Isaac, if you're ever in this situation, this is what you should do. Say that she's your sister. It's all going to work out in the end. You see, that may have happened or maybe it didn't happen. I don't know. But it's interesting to me that there are times in our life where maybe we've looked at situations in our life or maybe looked at our parents and said, I'm never going to do the thing that you did. I'm never going to, to do this to my kids. I'm never going to discipline them that way. I'm never going to do that. And then we find out what it's like to be parents. And we're like, oh, okay. That kind of makes sense now. <laughs> As my mom claps in the front row. <laughs> I didn't have too many of those, those moments. You see, there's things that get passed down sometimes in the generations that we don't always know about. Sometimes we don't even know who our parents were 
We don't know how many generations went before us. We don't know all of these circumstances. But sometimes there's these things that get passed down. And if we're not careful, they're the very things that can come and to affect us in our lives. You see, there's this thing called epigenetics, which I think is so fascinating. Anjali, I'm going to have you come up and share because you nodded your head. You know what I'm talking about. You see, epigenetics is the study of the traits that get passed down to the next generation without being a part of the genetic code. It's not a part of your DNA, but it's something that you have inherited. So these are the moments where Jamie looks at me and she says, your son, not our son, your son, he got that from you, not from me. He's being a little antisocial. He's being a little bit not so friendly. She's like, that's from you. That's not from me. That's your epigenetics. You see, I I know that there are times where we inherit things, and, and so I've seen friends grow up at times, and and they hadn't had the best example. And they said, I'm never going to be like him. I'm never going to do that thing. And there's a judgment that's made in that. And then later on, you start to look at some of the characteristics of their life. And you start to realize that some of those same things are starting to play out. You see, there's two things that I want to say in this. Number one, we need to be very aware and sensitive to the Holy Spirit speaking into those places to identify the places where there have been agreements that have been made even before we even took our first breath to use the authority given to us through what Jesus did to break those things say I'm not going to be in, in, in agreement with those things anymore I'm not going to speak in agreement with those things anymore But then also to know that there is also the grace of God in the midst of our lives, that even in the difficult times and the challenges, and even the things that we've done wrong and those before us have done wrong, that God's grace is still enough to bring us into his plans and his purposes for our lives. You see, God has a plan. And the good news is, is that it is not dictated or predicated on our ability to be perfect, to do everything just so, but our ability to trust in who he is and what he has promised. See, even in these places, God can redeem us, he can transform us, and he can preserve the identity that he has established in our family line. So we continue to go in Genesis chapter 26, verses 12 through 14. And Isaac sowed in the land, the land that was promised to him, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. I think that should be part of next week's uh, declaration. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy, which is very good. Except for that we see that when things are going well and God is blessing us very often, there's the other side of this. So it says he had possession of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Verses 15 and 16 says, Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug up in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to to Isaac, Go away from us. For you are much mightier than we are. You see, having those wells filled up was much more than an inconvenience. If you had 
the well that you dug and you found water, well, that was your title deed. That was your claim on that land. And so the enemy had come in and said, basically, I I know God promised you this land and your father had done the work to, to create these wells and to establish this, but it's ours now. They came in and they filled in the wells. They, they filled in the source of provision. They filled in and they, they tried to frustrate the plan of God for his life. But can I tell you something that they were not able to do? They were not able to stop the flow and the supply of what God had for Isaac. They came in to frustrate what God had promised, maybe to distract, but they could not stop the flow of the source and the resource that God had for him. You see, this becomes clear as we continue to read when we look in verse 17. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. Now listen to this next statement here. It says, and he gave them the names that his father had given to them. He went back, he dug the wells again, And he restored the names that Abraham had given to these places because these places were significant moments between him and God that God had promised something to him. And he went back and he said to the enemy, I know that you've come to take this away, to maybe steal, kill, and to destroy as the enemy does, but I'm coming back, I'm going to dig them back up, and I'm going to rename them with what God has said. See, this is something we need to hear today, that there have been places where the enemy has come to steal, kill, and to destroy, to take away from the promises of God that he has placed in our lives. And we have a responsibility to go back to those places, to dig them back up, to find the word that God has spoken, and to give his name, his promise, to speak what he has said over our situations over our families, over our circumstances, over places of brokenness and deficit and lack and hurt and pain, and to say, this is what God has said. See, when we go back to those moments and to those places where there's an opportunity to go back into a place of feeling the sadness or the depression or whatever it is, instead... How about we speak something different over those places? My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and his glory. The reason we made a declaration over our giving today was not to create some hype around it. It wasn't to stir up some emotional things so that you would give more, I promise. It's because in that area and so many others, we need to begin to speak together what God has said over our lives and over our finances. Amen. Restoration. You see, as much as 
God knows that he has a plan and has spoken things. Very often the enemy knows that God has spoken these things. And he wants to do everything possible to take our eyes off of it. But if we would be so faithful to stand on his faithfulness and to continue to return back to what he has said, we are going to see his good purposes take place in our lives. So we continue Genesis 26, verses 23 to 25. From there, Isaac went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him that same night, and he said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. Can I tell you this morning that God did everything that he promised that he was going to do? He blessed him. He multiplied him. He gave him that land. He, he stood strong on what he had promised to Abraham. They took that land, all of these things. God did all that he said that he was going to do. And this should give us a confidence to know in our lives that what God has said, what God has spoken, he is going to do those things. And can I tell you this as well? That what God has promised is bigger than we could ever expect that it would be. It's one thing to feel it in the middle of praise and worship. It's one thing to feel it and to acknowledge it when we feel his presence and his spirit moving. But we have to know that it's bigger. Once again, he said all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you and that was going to come through the person of Jesus and the fulfillment of all that God had planned from the very beginning that nobody along the way had any idea of. Even though they spoke to it in prophecy, they didn't know. And God fulfilled every single part of the promise and gave us Jesus so that we could stand strong on what he's promised to us, not on our own ability, not in our own ability to have enough faith to do all the right things, to make all the right decisions, but to trust in him. Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. The men and women who founded this church believed, and there has been fruit that has come out of it. But church, we're not going to stop here. This is not the end. This is another part of what God is doing, and I am so excited to know that God is at work right now on this day, May 22nd in 2022, and that he's going to continue to do greater and to do more than we could ever expect or imagine as we stand on his promises. I'm going to ask if the worship team would come up here this morning. You see, when I look at this hymnal again, it's amazing to hold it, but I got to tell you, it looks like it's 70, 80 years old. It's been beaten up a little bit. It's gone through the process a little bit of, of aging, yet every word in this that was written and sung to God is just as true today as it was then. Every word that God has spoken in your life, every promise that he's made, he is faithful. Would you stand with me here this morning as we allow him to just speak into our hearts?
to speak back into those places where there have been those promises that He has made. And to allow the Holy Spirit that in any of the places that we have become discouraged, that we felt broken, that we felt like those promises, they're amazing, but I, I just don't see how they're going to happen. Then we would ask the Holy Spirit to speak life into them again. And if there have been wells that have been filled in, if there have been places where the enemy has come and tried to distract or to intimidate or to frustrate what God is doing, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to supernaturally come into those places and to remove, to remove, to remove any of those places of agreement that we've entered into so that His good purpose would come to pass in our lives. morning, Lord Jesus, we just thank you once again that we could be together in this place. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we have been adopted into your family, that we are sons and daughters of the King, and that we have the ability to stand strong on what you have promised. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that through the authority that you gave us, through what you did on the cross, we speak to any of the circumstances that have stood against us. We speak to any of the lies of the enemy. We speak to any of the assignments of the enemy that have come against us. Any agreements that have been made. And we come against you and say, in the name of Jesus, you are broken right now in Jesus' name. That he speaks a better word and we stand on the promises that you've given to us. And so, Jesus, I just ask right now that as, as we continue here, as we leave today, as we go home, that you would revisit and that you would bring back and reestablish those promises that you have made to us in our lives, in our families, in our relationships, and in this church. In what you established as Faith Pentecostal Church and Mission to Faith Assembly of God that we as a church would walk into the future and the promise and the good purposes that you have for us. And that we would have an expectation that tomorrow is going to be even better. That what you have in our future is bigger and greater than we could ever imagine. And we thank you that it is all through you, through your power, through your strength, Lord Jesus, and what you have done for each one of us. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And we all said...